Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, my fine friends. Uh, welcome to the third episode of Season 3 of the Tom Petty Project Podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Brown. This is the podcast that digs into the entire Tom Petty catalogue, song by song, album by album, and includes conversations with musicians, fans, and people connected with Tom along the way. Today, we're digging into Even the Losers, which is the third track from the band's breakout album, Damn the Torpedoes. If you want to listen to the song before we get started, there's a link in the episode notes, so go give it another listen, and then we can begin. You would think that following Refugee and Here Comes My Girl, that the album would have to shift down a gear and couldn't possibly maintain that level of genius into the third track. Well, Tom pulls out another one of the big guns with Even the Losers. Arguably the most memorable of all Tom's song titles, the story of this song is another example of Tom's extraordinary ability to find a phrase that fits at just the right time. The song was essentially completely finished uh, when Tom brought it into the studio, but worryingly, he didn't have any words for the chorus. He had the melody, but no words. Still, he felt that it was worth cutting the track in its current state and then figuring out the missing words at a later point. In conversations with Tom Petty, Tom recalls to Steve Zolo, I had no idea what I was going to sing when I got to that point, and boom, divine intervention, it just came out. So one of the all-time great rock and roll lyrics was ad-libbed on the spot, absolutely extraordinary. The song also famously features Mike Campbell's wife Marcy in a brief spoken cameo. Mike had been working on the song at home and had been recording uh, his tracks when he called out to complain about the noise from the washing machine. And Marcy shoots back the immortal line, it's just the normal noises in here, in response. The song opens with an unusual sort of heavily processed drum sound with bass in there and what sounds like an electric guitar that isn't actually plugged in. Um, Whether this was an offcut from another song idea or just added in on a whim, who knows, but it stands in very stark contrast to the way the song goes once it starts for real. The drums in this section are mixed have virtually no bass at all, and the guitar is likewise, you know, very heavy on the treble. The individual parts drop out at different times, and then we get Marcy Campbell's It's Just the Normal Noises in here. And then the song begins in earnest at about the 21 second mark. The intro proper is a simple four chord step down progression that is not then repeated anywhere else in the song. It walks us down from A to G to G flat to E before the first verse begins in the root key of D. Through the first verse, the two guitars are playing the same part with slightly different tones, you know, slightly more bass in the left channel and a little bit more treble in the right, maybe. Moving into the second verse, Mike starts to add in some licks here and there at the end of each line. During the chorus, the guitar is again sticking to a really straight progression that is the same rhythm with a slightly different pattern. Obviously, the verses are D, A, G, A, and then in the chorus, we drop that last change uh, to settle on three chords. And removing that change back up to A really gives the chorus a fresh feel, even though it's not a huge change overall. In the verses, that final change to A in the first three lines of each verse, um, it really gives each of those lines a little bit more tension. Um, And then the last line of each of the verses changing to C, which acts as a definite sort of end point to that verse. In the chorus, we hear a different, almost opposite approach to to that last phrase, where we drop through D, A, G, and then we hold on G, which is obviously the fourth, and then move back up to A, which is the fifth, to build momentum back out of this section. After two verses and a chorus, we move into a 12-bar guitar solo that plays over the same chord progression as was being used in the verse. During the recording session, Mike was having trouble finding a guitar solo that would fit, that he he liked, and Tom asked him, well, what would Chuck Berry do? And within minutes, the solo was finished. 
Mike definitely leans into those berry bends in this one, and they feature on numerous solos throughout the Heartbreakers catalogue. Then again, they feature on most rock and roll bands catalogues somewhere because they're a staple of that style of guitar playing. Um, we come out of the solo and into the bridge and into a simple A, A suspended fourth guitar pattern, which then again builds back out into the chorus. And from here on out, we're not hearing too much different from the guitars until the outro, where Mike starts to play some of those berry licks again um, as we head into the fade out after the, after the twice repeated chorus. Benmont's organ uh, throughout this track just shines so brightly in that sort of upper range. Um, for the most part, he's just following the guitar pattern and playing nice full chords to fill out the sound. And then at the end of each verse, you know, where we change to C, uh, you get some really nice vibrato to give it that big full feel. As we head into the chorus, the organ actually takes the melodic lead and we get that fabulous rundown echoing Tom's vocal melody. You know, on their lines, keep a little bit of pride, they get lucky sometimes. Um, so, so the, the keyboard uh, mirrors or sort of augments what Tom's what Tom's singing, that, that, that vocal line. Through the solo, Benmont's just keeping the organ there as texture, but it's dialed back a little again to allow the space for Mike's solo to cut through. Um, and we then get an almost prog rock sounding organ progression in the second half of the bridge, walking over that A sus4 chord and again taking the lead melody duties back from Mike. So that interplay between guitar and organ is almost like a game of musical tag. And again, coming back out of the bridge, Benmont moves up an octave and leans into the vibrato to punch us back into the chorus. We then get those two repetitions of the chorus before the song plays out with that main line, even the losers get lucky sometimes, repeated to the close. Um, Benmont stays in that higher octave during the outro to keep that intensity high and to keep the sound as full as possible. Stan Lynch really cuts loose on this track and we get drum fills at basically every transition point throughout. Even in the short intro, we get some Tom hits. And then between the two verses and between the second verse and the chorus, we get some big snare fills. We've already talked lots about Stan's torturous time making this record with the exacting standards and intensity of Jimmy Iovine and how he wanted the drums to sound. But yet again, the drums really thunder throughout this entire song. And even in the places where the guitars drop out, he's still adding in those little fills. Between the two choruses in the outro, we get a big Bonham-esque tom roll, and each little phrase that Stan throws in at, at any point in the song is different each time. He doesn't drop into repeating phrases um, or in repeating himself, and this gives the song so much more energy. A really cool little switch up too that if you listen for is he throws in a, an offbeat later in the solo. I think it's around the 10th bar or something. Um, when you're counting, he actually brings the band back to the one of a four count where the four should be in the previous measure. And so then the following measure is actually kind of like feels like five bars rather than four. So that's a really, really cool little um, change up. Ron Blair dials himself way back in this song. There are so many moving parts, you know, what with Stan's rip-roaring drum track and the interplay between Benmont's organ part and Mike's guitar licks, throw in a really upbeat vocal delivery too, and all Ron needs to do really is sit on those kick notes and play the route for each chord. And he does move up and down an octave, throwing in the fifth note in the chord here and there, but this is an exercise in restraint and just holding that rhythm section down without drowning anyone else out. Okay, folks, it's time for some petty trivia. Last week I asked you which live album was released as a limited edition vinyl LP for the 2011 Black Friday Record Store Day. The answer is Kiss My Amps. Featuring six tracks from Mojo and the B-side to Room at the Top, Sweet William, uh, the tracks were all recorded during the 2010 Mojo Tour, and with the exception of Sweet William and Taking My Time, had been previously released digitally to Highway Companions Club members for download. Your question this week is this. 
Which album kept Damn the Torpedoes from hitting number one in the US for nine straight weeks? Okay, back to the song. Even the Losers was famously, I think, inspired by an acid trip and a girl named Cindy who Tom had a crush on in middle school but had rejected all his advances. Um, after Tom's very brief stint in art school in Tampa, he reconnected with an old friend and went to a party at his house. Tom saw Cindy again at this party and this time she was more receptive to his overtures but just for the night, joining him on the rooftop to smoke cigarettes and stare at the moon. As Tom tells Warren Zanes in his 2015 biography, she let me know it was just for that night. She said, you keep trying, but you and me isn't going to happen. And when I wrote Even the Losers years later, that night came back. There are so many brilliant lines in this song that I would say it's probably the strongest lyric as a whole on the album. Um, the image you have right from the start is one of longing for days gone by and love lost. Uh, Tom wrote plenty of that type of song in these early years, like, you know, Magnolia or The Wild One Forever, but even The Losers does those things just so much better and captures teenage angst as well as any song I've ever heard. It couldn't have been that easy to forget about me is a line that betrays the singer's insecurity rather than projecting any confidence. Even The Losers get lucky sometimes. It's an all-time classic, but it's also followed by the equally brilliant Even The Losers keep a little bit of pride. They get lucky sometimes. For anybody who wasn't one of the cool kids in high school, these lines scream at your very soul. If you had to describe most of John Hughes' 80s teen movies in two lines, those would work as well as any, I would say. And Tom sings those lines with absolute honesty and you don't doubt a single word. He sits in his upper mid-range for most of the song before throwing in some vocal stabs in the outro, but the words tell the story here and Tom doesn't torture his vocal or shrink back from it at any point. It's an absolutely superb lyric, beautifully delivered. <laughs> Okay, folks, that's all for this week. Um, like Refugee last week, and here comes my girl in the past two episodes, I can't give even the losers anything less than a 10 out of 10. Soaring organ, reserved but somehow urgent guitar playing, epic drums, and a pristine vocal simply add up to greatness. It's an emotionally charged song about love lost, but redemption nonetheless for the outcasts. A real rallying cry for the geeks and nerds of the world. The song was obviously played live prolifically through the years, but somewhat surprisingly didn't make the cut for the 40th anniversary tour. Okay, before I wrap things up completely, I just wanted to comment very quickly on world events. Um, I've avoided doing this on the pod so far as I really do want to focus on the music, and I know that you probably get your news and opinion on current affairs from much better sources than me. Uh, the current situation in Ukraine, however, is completely unprecedented and you know extremely upsetting. I don't know if I have any listeners in Ukraine, um, but if you are out there listening, I, I really hope that you're that you're safe and you're getting through this inexcusable act of selfish aggression um, in one piece and as best you can. My thoughts are with all of you at this time, and I continue to hope that sanity can be restored sooner rather than later. Um, for everyone else, um, if you have any spare money that you'd be able to donate, the Red Cross and many other excellent organizations are funding much-needed aid and relief efforts in Ukraine, and anything you could donate would be greatly appreciated by those currently, obviously, you know, fearing for their futures and their well-being. Um, I'll leave a link in the episode notes uh, to the Red Cross campaign for you to check out if you if you so desire. Don't forget to follow me on Facebook and Instagram at The Tom Petty Project, and on Twitter at Tom Petty Project, and of course, you can always find me on YouTube. Uh, so go follow, like, subscribe as applicable. And again, 
please leave a review or a rating if you haven't already. Um, as a reminder, the Tom Petty Project is not affiliated with the Tom Petty Estate in any way. Um, so go check out the Tom Petty YouTube channel when you listen to music and go check out the site for merchandise or official, official um, legal merchandise. Until we meet again next week, keep listening to and sharing Tom's music. Try to be kind. Try to say I love you to someone at least once a day. Stay safe and healthy. And I'll be back with you next week to talk about Shadow of a Doubt, A Complex Kid, the fourth track from side one of Damn the Torpedoes. Bye-bye.